This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks for joining me for this conversation, which features Matt Wilcock from Antichrist Imperium, Shotgun Mistress, Abremelin, and Werewolves. Matt is one of Australia's preeminent rock and metal guitarists, it must be said, so it's always a joy to catch up with him and find out what's been going on in his world. In this instance here, the catalyst has been brought about due to a new album from Werewolves titled From the Cave to the Grave and it'll see the light of day via Prosthetic Records on June 24th, 2022. In the chat, of course, we dive into the intricacies of the album, but we talk guitar craft, Shotgun Mistress, which is a group which made my year end of 2021 best of list. It made number four. Wanted to find out how the tour, recent tour across select cities in Australia went for the lads. And we talk about life in general because Matt's just one of those fellas. He's a good bloke and I enjoy catching up with him. Now, before we get to the chat, let's have a listen to a song from From the Cave to the Grave. The one I've selected is one that's in market right now. You can check out this one on Spotify. It is titled Crushing Heaven's Mandate. And once that song's done, we'll dive into the discussion. Let's go. Thank you. 
Mate, how's things? <laughs> Good, man. How are you? Mate, plugging away. I've just, just come from a swim, actually, so uh, that's okay. the way I get in exercise these days. So I'm feeling pretty good, to be honest with you, mate. After a bit of a bitch of a day at work, I work for work from home, but um, you know, just want to... That, was that an ocean swim or a pool or...? No, we had a, we've had an Olympic pool and, like, a massive complex open up around us, you know, like this whole... Okay. Area, I mean, now is one of the fastest growing regions in the country. So, of course, the council allocated all this money for these sort of resources. And yep. thank God they've seen the light. And uh, I'm a compul I don't know how else to describe it. I'm a compulsive swimmer. I'm somebody who has <laughs> to do it. Yeah. I hate running, hate weights, all of that sort of stuff, but I'll swim all day. Okay. And they leave this one here open until 8 p.m. And, of course, it's... Yeah, it's, you'd laugh at this. It's like 16 degrees or something like that, which is probably, you know, a high for Melbourne during the summer day. <laughs> but if nobody's in there, it's just me. <laughs> yeah, right. It's um, it's it's freezing down here at the moment, man. It's absolutely, it's bitterly cold. I mean, you know, not not in comparison to some parts of the world, I guess. But, um, yeah, like the literally the last, I guess, maybe this week, this last sort of week, it's really sort of fucking gotten cold. And I've actually got a cold at the moment. I, um, I've been at work all day just feeling awful. And um, so I went to a COVID test and it's not COVID. But, um, yeah, I've, I've been on a, uh, a diet of um, hot toddies and whiskey and I've got a cold <laughs> at the moment. So I've come back to life a little bit. So it's all good. Fantastic, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Hey, just a quickie. What, what do, I, I meant to ask you this before when we caught up. What do you, I can't imagine how you fit everything in. So what, what do you do as a day job? <laughs> so this is this is quite amusing. Well, it's not amusing, but it's it's, it's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting. So I'm a I'm a mortician. So I'm like um, well, I guess the 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 actual term is um, I'm an embalmer. Embalmer, yeah. Nice. So I um, very interesting. Yeah, I've been doing it for like um, I guess it's a, it's got to be about 15 years or so now. Um, yeah. So basically, I'll, I'll prepare. I work for a funeral home and um, I prepare the deceased for either viewings or maybe addressing or whatever, you know, whatever maybe the families want. So some some people want to have a viewing, like an open in church or an open in the chapel or some such sort of thing. And, uh, you know, other people don't. And either way, like I'll prepare the deceased accordingly. So, yeah, I've been, I, it's it's been 15 years and... Um, I started doing it in the UK, so I I got the qualifications and did all the study and all that sort of stuff over there. Mm. And um, it's one of those things where w- once you're qualified, it's generally sort of recognised. I mean, it, it's a little bit different in America, like the state to state, the laws differ in America. So sometimes the qualification doesn't, you know, doesn't translate that well to certain states in the US. Mm. But um, as far as England and Australia, like the um, all the sort of the, I guess, qualifications and requirements to be able to do the job are all the same as uh, back and forth. So, yeah, so I did it in England for about maybe seven years, maybe, maybe mm. a little bit more. And, um, yeah, and I've been back here now for uh, over seven years. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been another seven years. So I've been working working here, so it's good. It's a good job. It's interesting, you know, and it's quite nice to, um, you know, if, if if someone passes away and they're, you know, in a pretty poor condition, like they're, you know, it, when when someone that's ninety years old passes away from something like yeah. cancer, they're quite, 
you know, they're, they're quite wasted away. If I can sort of restore a bit of a normal appearance and make them look like they're asleep and peaceful, you know, that can, that can bring a great deal of um, comfort to people, you know. So it's good. Comfort and closure, I think what you're doing is an extremely important job. Yeah, I mean, I had to see my father like that in that state. It's very confronting. Yeah. Um, you know, he died 11 years ago or so now. And, uh, look, I'm not frightened about any of these things. God knows, you know, you, I'm Catholic, right? So we used to, when a parish priest died, we used to go and have a look at him in the casket, yeah. <laughs> this sort of thing. And uh, But I think what you're doing is a, an extremely important job and it's an interesting job that you do from the perspective of, you know, when you meet somebody, and we have met, just for people listening, we yeah. have met. Um, <laughs> I can actually see you doing that job. Uh, uh, um, you know, I mean, because it's interesting because I, I work for the Uniting Church. Right. You know, it's very, very different to what people, I used to work for Telstra for years, uh, yeah. for about 15 years or so, but uh, I'm a journalist and commun- a commun- comms consultant these days. So mm. I do that. And uh, a lot of the time, yeah, I'm, if you go to the university, uh, university, to the Uniting Church Queensland Facebook page. I do all of the socials, so you'll see me putting up Bible verses and stuff. And, look, I, I don't – look, the way oh, that wow. I look at it is it's, it's a job, to be honest, mate, and it's not that I don't enjoy doing it, but it's a job that I know brings a lot of meaning to some people's lives, and you're, you're mature enough to understand that. You know, there's – I rarely share that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever shared it on the show before, but, you know, oh, you should be into Satan, man. It's like, oh, grow up, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. So how, yeah. How did the how did the tour end up, mate? The shot. We'll talk about. Is it cool if we talk about shotgun first, and then we'll jump into yeah, a bit sure, of sure. I, <laughs> Again, just for the benefit of people listening, and I've mentioned it a couple of times on the show. Blown away by what you guys put on, particularly your guitar playing. I didn't hear a note out of place the entire night from you, uh-huh. and you were playing some pretty fast. And, and at times brutal stuff too, even though it is rock and roll. But, man, I, I know there wasn't that many people there on, on uh, Brisbane is notorious whenever it rains, people stay away, you know, it has to be sunny and yeah. all the rest of it. But how did the tour wash up? Did, did you feel it was a success? Yeah, I think it was. We, um, you know, I think like, like anything, when, when you go out and do a bunch of shows, you're always going to have, you know, I guess they're going to be a baseline of, Generally, they're going to be okay. Um, some are going to be killer, and some are going to be uh, you know a bit, a bit crap. Um, ironically, uh, the Brisbane one was you know the crap one, quote unquote. Really? Yeah, there was. Um, I mean, you know, there was there was there was a few people there, and we we sold a bit of merch, so it, it was cool. But um, yeah, the Gold Coast was better. Um, Melbourne was killer. That was just this weekend gone. That was a really good show. Hmm. And um, yeah, most of the others were like, most of the others were pretty cool, you know. Some of them were smaller attendances, but it was it was still good. And it was a good it was a good experience to sort of get out on the road with with that band because we haven't we haven't toured as such before. And um, you know, I mean, it's it's a little bit different because it's uh, it's it's not touring us in out on the road for three weeks running, but you know, long weekends each weekend, or whatever, and then yeah. going home. But um, yeah, it was it was a positive experience. Uh, we ended. Um, the second last show was Melbourne and that was just, that was a killer show. And, um, yeah, overall it was great. Electric Mary, like proper good dudes. It's really good to be out with them. The killer band. And, um, yeah, it was great. So looking forward to whatever comes next in that world. 
Yeah, my mate that you met that night, Dale, was was raving about uh, you guys too. He went there for Electric Mary, but said how how great you guys were afterwards. And believe me, he's not the sort of guy that issues compliments uh, oh, easily because he's you know we're all musos, right? So you know it's sort of it's not impressed me, bro, stuff or anything like yeah. that. But uh, but it was definitely what I loved about what you guys did was it's rock and roll, but it's got the intensity of heavy metal, and. I've been looking for that sound now for a long time, being a dyed into all metal fan, but also a rock fan. Yeah. And there's there's a couple of bands lately. There's um, Jack Frost and his uh, Brothers in Arms project brings a lot of that intensity as well. Okay. And Voodoo Moonshine from, I think they're from Georgia. I've had a chat to uh, Jeff, I think, yeah, Jeff LaSoya from the band there. There's about three or four of you around at the moment. And I, whenever I hear anybody say that, there are no good bands around these days, no good new bands. I just go, yeah. listen, listen. Yeah, there's a lot of good bands. If you if you sort of if you just dig a little bit, you'll find like in any genre, you'll find a lot of really good stuff. So yeah. And you got your first show coming up this weekend with Werewolves, I understand. Um it's it's not for a bit. It's um Oh, it's not, sorry, I thought it was this weekend. No, no, it's well, it's a few weeks away, I think. It's in it's in Sydney on the 25th of June, I think. Uh-huh. So I don't mean I don't know when this is gonna, you know, it's gonna be on or whatever. But um yeah, we've we've got a few in the pipeline now. We've got uh one in Sydney, which is I think the 25th, mm-hmm. and um one in Melbourne, which is the early July, and we've got one in early August in Melbourne again. And one later in the year in Adelaide, so we've got a few. We've got a few booked in. Um, I think that's all at the moment. They've all been announced, so it's you know that's cool to talk about or whatever. But um, yeah, it's good. We've been we've been rehearsing and sort of getting in the in the zone, and um, yeah, pretty excited about it. It, it should be good. I think. <laughs> Touch wood. I hope. Well, versatility is your middle name on the guitar. So, I, I, but I will ask: Do you have to adopt a different mindset when you're going from a band like Shotgun Mistress into Werewolves for the live stuff? Um, I just tend to gain up a little bit on the amp. It's pretty much the only difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually using I'm using the same guitar, which is quite funny. So I'm using the Gibson V for Shotgun, and also Lovely. using that for Werewolves as well. Just just because it, it kind of works for some reason. Like there's there's no solos, there's no lead playing in Werewolves. It's all just straight down the line, and it's like you know what? I think I'll use this. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's all pretty much the same. Um, if yeah, there's there's no real difference. I mean, the werewolf stuff is um, Dave's playing drum wise. He's playing everything to a click track. Mm. Um, just I think that's more his preference. You know, he's he's a bit more comfortable playing along to a click and just being you know a hundred percent on the money. But um, as far as me or Sam or just I guess the band in general, it it feels good and you know touch wood. Hopefully, it'll come across good. I'm sure it will. I'm a bit envious of people in Sydney, though, given they get to see you. And uh, I mean, I, I, again, I've got—is it just a, is it a Queensland thing? We don't necessarily reward the metal bands as well when you tour. Is that part of the reason why we're not on the on the initial um, jaunt? I just don't think uh, nothing's nothing's sort of come up yet. Like, there's a few opportunities have sort of arisen. So, but I mean, it's the same with um, like with uh, Bremelin. So, um, me and Dave have got. A bunch of shows, sort of in various parts of the country, with a Bremlin as well. Mm. But um, at, at the moment, nothing in Brisbane. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I know from previous sort of experience that you know Queensland tends to be. I mean, put it this way: Melbourne is pretty much the highlight, and Sydney's usually cool as well. Mm. Um, 
And funnily enough, the festivals in Adelaide, like, because we were playing one late, we've got one later in the year and we just played, well, Adrenaline just played the um, New Dead and that was just incredible. It was really good. good. Maybe, maybe that's just a, a byproduct of, you know, no one going to see any fucking shows for the last two years or whatever. Yeah. But um, it was killer. A lot of people there and everyone loved it. Everyone had a great time. So it was really good. Yeah, it wasn't quite Adelaide, I think is, is the term, isn't yeah, it, for the touring it. things? You know, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, oh, look, I'd love to see all of the bands that you're in, actually. And, and, I, and I, uh, I, I, you know, I'll definitely get to talk about the Werewolves album because I'm especially enjoying that. But I must mention the, uh, if I can, yeah. that Antichrist Imperium album that you sent through, man. Holy shit. Oh, Amazing cool, stuff. It's just, yeah, it's I've all got, there. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, oh, look, I've kept it under wraps. I listened to it in the car, but it's just an amazing album in that um, it's certainly uh, not a criticism of werewolves at all, but werewolves is like a massive punch to the face, whereas yeah. you, you find that that with Antichrist Imperium is more like being slabbed, stabbed slowly. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know? um, I guess that band, it, it's a little bit more, well, the, the, the short answer is I guess it's a prog sort of death metal kind of thing, you know. But you know, it's it's not prog in the sense of like real prog music. But mm. it's just a lot of you know, there's a lot of stuff in the mix, like clean guitars and samples and keyboards and clean vocals and mm. everything up until like mortician style death metal. It's it's all in there. So yeah, that's that's a that's a whole different sort of kettle of fish, really. That album, but um, it's good. It's good that that's done. That's taken a long time. COVID sort of had quite a few negative effects on us getting that album done. So I think I think that's penciled in for a September release. But again, it's it's all a bit sort of nothing's quite finalised yet. Yeah, I, I will get I'll get both of the albums on vinyl. I must say the uh, Werewolves album and also the uh, that Antichrist Imperium album if it's released that oh, way cool. because they uh, you know I'm sort of in the process. I don't know if you can see I'm moving things into here yeah. from out there with the the kids are getting a bit boisterous these days and knocking things <laughs> over. So I uh, I'm trying to move everything into that man cave and musician yeah. shed. As I as I call it, but uh, look that that does bring me to the to the spotlight uh, of our conversation, which is from the cave to the grave. Okay, so this is the new album from Werewolves. This is one of your bands, one of your mini bands. Uh, it has been released by Prosthetic Records on June twenty fourth. I've been very fortunate. Thank you for sending it through uh, in advance because I've had it now for for quite a while, and I've probably been listening to it at least two or three times a week. Yeah, okay. Cool. Uh, Enjoyed it. It's incredible. I'll share this with you. My, uh, I do the school drop-offs in the morning, and my nephew, who's five, loves it. Asks for it. It's you know, you're indoctrinating them uh, young, which is a beautiful <laughs> thing into the world of you know killer death metal. But it's the thing about this album is you, you, it's there's a lot of momentum carried through from the fact that it is the group's third album, but it's your fourth release overall in three years. And it's it's just a, a killer escapade and a hyperspeed death metal. I was trying to find a better descriptor for it, but I just can't. Hyperspeed death metal. And I, I don't think anybody else except for the great Eric Rutan could match you guys. <laughs> Eternal. There are other bands out there I know that are doing the really fast thing, but not as yeah. intense, you know, that yeah. white-knuckle intensity. Yourselves yeah, cool. and, and Rutan. I mean, you in particular, you know, I mentioned it to you at the show. I'd love to see you and Rutan do something together because I think you're <laughs> – you're on par with each other that way. Uh, that's but, a compliment, that is. <laughs> well, you deserve it. You deserve it. And uh, look, the thing that I love about your music, listening to it, is it's it's so tight 
that I think musicians that are not as capable as the three of you are, it might start to unravel a little bit because God knows I get sent a lot of stuff and you can hear that happening. You know, it's been sort of patched together in Pro Tools or whatever the door is. I know that's not like that with you guys. You, you want to play it live so you actually get it right in the studio or when, you, when you're recording it separately or what have you, but you're getting it right on the recording as you would uh, when you're playing it live. So my question for you after that fairly lengthy statement is, is the strategy to write as brutal as music, as brutal music as possible, but still keep it musical and intact? Um, I suppose it sort of is. Um, a lot of the, I, th- I think, I think these this this band is maybe even though it's all pretty down the line, just sort of death metal. I think it's a product of. Um, you know, 20 odd years or probably longer really of just music. Like, so, you know, I listen, I listen to so much different stuff, you know, and um, while, you know, like me listening to me listening to Stevie Nicks has no real bearing on um, fucking werewolves, but, you know, subconsciously things like arrangement, um, just structure, you know, dynamics, you know, there's no fucking volume dynamics, obviously, in werewolves, but in the sense of, like, maybe fast to slow to up to down to whatever, you know, things like that are probably um, maybe just due to, and it's not just me, but the other two guys as well, just, you know, all that sort of combined experience in bands and music and recording and all that sort of crap, it, it might have a probably has an effect on the song sort of being a bit more important than just the savagery so the the violence and the aggression that's you know that's obviously that's there but at the same time i guess we're just trying to make sure that the songs are are solid as well you know so it can be like you know dave's got a comfortable bpm where he knows i mean he can blast proper fast but he's got a there's there's a tempo range where he knows that it'll be violent, like where mm. his kicks can fly and he's, you know, his blasts can also fly, but um, it's not too much. Like you don't, you don't lose a groove because it's not, you know, it's a speed of light, you know, you can't groove. There's no groove unless you start Absolutely. doing start doing weird things on the, the symbols and that. And then it's like, well, then you start to lose a bit of the, you know, you just want to slam to, to just fucking kick you in the face. But I think I think we've got a we've got the songwriting knack pretty much down with that this band and um, maybe the tempos as well you know so it's it's fast but it's not you know it's it's not like Origin or yeah you know, I'm sure it's there's a bunch of band. bands yeah yeah there's yeah. a bunch of bands that are like the, the speed of light and don't get me wrong like I like Origin I've toured with them years ago and they're great guys and they're fucking killer musos and I like you know I like the music. But werewolves is quite obviously a different sort of thing to what, say, Origin is. So, yeah, I think, I, I think you know, without sort of fucking blowing our own trumpet, I think we've kind of got the songwriting knocked down for, for that style of music. Great. Maybe that's, that's probably what maybe sets it apart a little bit or gives it a bit more impact. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably my explanation of it. <laughs> I totally agree with your summary there, by the way, that you do have the songwriting uh, down pat because what I love about your guitar playing is that it's brutal but musical. 
Okay, so there's melody in there, but it's brutal at the same time. And it's Ralph Santola is another fellow that was able to do it. You know, he came from more like a glam world and ended up in Deicide against all odds mm-hmm. and yeah. more or less revolutionised death metal in that way through his soloing, didn't he? You're, you're doing something similar in that you get sick of hearing these bands that are quantized and it just sounds like, effectively it sounds like white noise. Um, mm-hmm. And I listen to a lot of cassettes. So yep. They nice. separate the the wheat from the chaff because the, the bloody players are garbage. I'd have never heard a good cassette, to be honest with you. You listen to it for <laughs> and, and, you know, if you're feeling a bit drunk or whatever, it just sort of hits you in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Different type of alcohols, I call it, you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but, but I love the fact that, that you keep it brutal yet musical. So my question after that would be, um, I think you know that you do that. So just after what what you mentioned earlier there, um, do you ha- how hard do you have to work at that? Is it something where you really have to sit down with a riff and sort it out before you start speeding it up or does it come <laughs> together differently? Um, it's probably a bit, um, uh, I, I, was, I don't know how to put it. Like I don't want to sound like I'm being a fucking smart ass, but <laughs> this music, comes to me very easily. So yes. I don't know. I just like this, these albums, like, it, you know, I could write a werewolves album, you know, guitar wise, obviously like, you know, the other guys do the other parts, but you know, I can write an album in like three days of werewolf stuff. And that's pretty much how it's happened with the last, with, with all of them. Like I think the first one was the first album. I did it in four days. Um, the second one I did it, every day after work for like 10 or 11 days. And I I can't remember this one, but all I know is we wrote the third and the fourth one at the same time. So, so we recorded me and Dave. Well, yeah. So Dave did drums for fucking hell, 18 songs, all, not all the same time. He might've like, done a, he, he you know he might do five songs and then do another five later and another five or whatever but um yeah so we did when i was doing guitars i did two albums worth at once recording and sam came and played the bass for 18 songs in two days which is fucking mind-blowing that he can actually store 18 songs worth of riffs in his head and sort mm. of produce them on demand you know it's like fucking, I don't know how you do it, man, but it's kind of, it's, I guess it's easy for me because I wrote them and you sort of record as I go or, you know, whatever, whatever it was that I do. But, um, yeah, so I don't know, like writing the songs, it's, you know, if I, if I pick up a guitar, like I, I might take me a bit to come up with a riff, but once I've got something, that's it, then I can just do a song. And, you know, even if that first thing isn't necessarily all that good, it's like, by the time I write another riff that goes with it and then another one, it's like, oh, fuck, now I'm there. So I could maybe scrap the first riff if it was a bit, you know, subpar and then work from the next ones. So it's, yeah, it's not hard, but that's, again, it's not just me being fucking a smartass about it. It's it's a product of, you know, 20, 30 years of heavy metal, you know, and playing guitar every day and, so yeah, that's yeah, that's probably the the vibe with writing and coming up with riffs and songs and shit. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you've, you've obviously got the talent, but you've also put the work in. I mean, that's what they talk about with great sports people as it is with great musicians, that that's the meeting point. When you get to that point where it comes to you, where it just flows, it's, you know, was, I can't remember which rugby league player I was listening to talk about that, but the amount of training that they did, they said that going onto the uh, the football pitch after all the training we've done, that's the easy bit. Yeah, it can be intense at times, but yeah. all the, probably the same in AFL if you follow AFL. And, you yeah. know, I'm not sure, but it's it'd be the same if your training is really intense by the time you get out mm. there on the pitch or in your case in the studio or on stage. And that's the one thing that I noticed about watching you play live was it looks effortless. Even though it's intense, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. look like as though you're outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, well, that's also with that shotgun mistress, that's, um, you know, being rock music, it's, it's a bit chilled guitar-wise, you know. I mean, there's the leads, are, <laughs> I guess the solos are a bit involved and all that. But, um, yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit more chilled out. But it's, it's still, it's the same it's the same theory, though, isn't it? It's like a fucking, it's like a fighter, you know. It's not the, I don't just get up there and, you know, fight and destroy. It's like, it's the... It's the thousand times they've thrown a jab cross in the gym before going out for the fight, you know. So hey, it's just it's just, it's just practice and experience, I guess. You know, well, well, practice and experience when it comes to contrasting the the absolutely brutal with the slow burn, and you've done that really well on this album. Uh, Crushing heaven's mandate is just mate. It's that's the punch to the face right there. That's the knockout blow. But then <laughs> you follow it up with harvester of the skulls. Uh, which is just a, a slow burn in the way uh, Cannibal Corpse did when skin becomes liquid, if you've heard that track before. Uh-huh. You know the one? And um, I love that. I love that, you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. I actually look forward to that when I'm driving in the car. Yeah, I just cool. look for, I'm not going to call it a reprieve, but it's like a moment in time where it's like take a bit of a breath before the second half of the album kicks in. And I love the way yeah. that you've introduced that dynamic to the album. Yeah, well, that that sort of that thing was because I mean there was a there was a slower song on the uh, previous one as well, um, which we finished with. But um, yeah, I, I I quite like um, it's like Slayer's um, Seasons in the Abyss, yep. where you've got the you got Dead Skin Must like in the middle of the album, mm. and it's like uh, you know we the whole thing's pretty just brutal all the time. So to be it's yeah, let's try putting something a bit slower and a little bit different in the middle just to sort of split it up a little bit. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I'd like to hear more songs like that one there. I think you've, I mean, you kind of done it with Andy Christ, but just within the uh, the werewolves thing, just to plant the seed maybe for the next album. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> well, there's another one like, it's just not, not dissimilar to that because obviously we've already recorded it, but there is another one that's like, so the next album will have a, um, I don't know if it'll be in the middle or at the end or we, we won't open with it, but there is another sort of a bit of a, I'm not going to call it experimental, but let's just say a slower song. <laughs> I've spoken to you about this before, but the guitar instructional videos, I, I really implore you to do them and just so as though people have some awareness of your incredible technique. But uh, huh. look, some, something else I want you to think about too is uh, there's a lot of these, you know, uh, Instagram reels where they've got like a very, you know, usually they're, they're girls or kids or what have you, but guitarists and drummers playing like a classic song like Panama or whatever it might be. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see yourself and Dave. I, I really do feel like you, you're both the, the preeminent uh, musicians in your field in Australia with an extreme metal, mm. you know, <sighs> definitely world class. I, I'd love to see you guys do something like a live stream event where you talk through some of the techniques you got, but together, is that something that you've even contemplated over after your seventh beer? No, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think we do that. I mean, yeah, 
Uh, it's it's not really. I don't think it'd really quite be in Dave's character trait to do something like that. Um, I probably. I mean, I've you know in the past I've taught guitar, so I'm quite open to mm. you know if someone messages me or whatever on Facebook or some shit about you know something sort of guitar nerderish, nerdery sort of stuff. I'm usually pretty happy to you know talk talk a bit of shop with someone about guitar stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's funny because like. I sort of, I, I, I sort of know and speak to a few like really, really good guitarists, and it kind of makes me think, well, you know, fucking hell, there's there's fucking absolute monsters out there that you can sort of see on YouTube or you can you know get online lessons with or whatever. And it's like, well, I'm not really that kind of player. Like, you know, I've got things that I do, but mm. you know, it's like. Like you know, like it's all about the right hand with me. So like mm. any any lead stuff that I do is always going to have like sort of picking at it. But it's like, well, you know, you can watch me on YouTube, but really, you just want to watch Paul Gilbert on YouTube because <laughs> he's this is the best, you know, or or yeah, any other of the tens, hundreds of thousands of players. So yeah, I don't. I, as far as videos and all that shit, I don't think it'd be a it'd be a thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. It's always the people with the talent are uh, modest. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I do. I like that about you. I know you're a modest fella. Um, but, no, it's um, nice not, not of you to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's your technique stands out from the perspective that, look, I do play guitar too, and uh, I'm not a metal. I think, yeah, we had this conversation. I play funk and Mm. Yeah, pop music and rock, basic rock, like Oz rock and stuff, because that's yeah. the lane that I've sort of fallen into. But your lane is extreme metal. And there are a few people out there doing it, but uh, they don't have your uh, the prestige that you've got given all of the bands that you've been in and aren't necessarily relatable because people can pick up any album or download any album or stream, I should say, any album mm-hmm. and hear you, hear you across, you know, how many releases you're on, 30 or something like that, more potentially at this point. Um, but you're, you're incredibly crisp alternate, alternate picking technique. That's what I'm talking about. Um, you know, you got Eric and you got guys like Trey, Trey from Morbid Angel, of course. And and I, I think I mentioned this to, to uh, no, I can't remember if I mentioned this to Eric or not, but it, so I won't say whether I did or I didn't, but I'll mention it to you now. I think that's a skill, that's an art. So even those great guitarists that you're talking about, you know, the Tommy Emanuels or whoever it might be, that's not necessarily something that's in their kit bag. But there are a lot of youth that listen to, you know, they start with metalcore or corn or whatever, but they quickly progress. They might hear a Deicide album or a Werewolves album and they go, wow, that's a different style of playing. And if mm. you give them just a bit of a nugget, whether it be via an Instagram reel or what have you, you're giving them the inspiration, I think, to move on just a little bit further. As I say, I'll just plant the seed. But, you know, Matt, Matt Heafy from Trivium is doing something similar um, on whatever the other social media platforms are out there. I don't think it's one of the big ones. but. Right. Uh, and he earns a shitload of money apparently from doing it, just picking up the guitar and riffing and just showing off his technique. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a, I know it's a thing for sure. But um, I don't know. I just look at I mean, I know that Herman Lee from Dragon Force, he's got mm. a he's got a thing that he does. And you know, he's, he's fucking he's a great player. So yeah, I it's I, I know what you're saying, and it's cool, and I get it. But eh, I don't know if it's entirely my sort of scene, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah. Look, I'm, I, I'm an ideas man, so I tend to talk <laughs> about these sorts of things and uh, yeah. disregard them or otherwise. But I, I just think uh, with your with your exceptional talent on the guitar, it's something that's worth sharing. And, of course, you're doing that already. I mean, there's no question. I mean, you've got these fantastic albums. This recent album, uh, of course, from Werewolves is the case in point. But because of your versatility, I think uh, I can't really think of another guitarist like you that's got you're in the rock lane with Shotgun Mistress. It's outstanding. You're in the extreme metal lane. God almighty, I mean, you just have to go and do Encyclopedia Metallium to see your resume there. But mm-hmm. um, I think you want to see people You want to see people who are very good at what they're doing, acting as mentors even from afar to help the people who maybe need that bit of inspiration because here's, I'll wrap this all up in this statement here. You know, more people uh-huh. play guitars, more people were into music, more people were, were focused on say, their creative pursuits, there'd be less wars, less bullshit, less conflict, less depression, yeah. all of this sort of stuff, you know, and, and, and I think you you play a very important role in that whether you realise it or not because without you, of course, all of these bands that you've been a part of don't necessarily happen. Yeah. Yeah, cool, man. It's a, it's a, it's a good point and, you know, it's nice of you to say as well. No, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I, I love your playing, so uh, I thought I'd give you that feedback. But um, okay. look, something else. So I, I had a chat to uh, Adelaide producer Jack Hartley not too long ago. Uh, you might know Jack, and uh, he must have done some recording with Sean and yourself, but he, he told me that Sean Bean was the walking personification of death metal. Does that sound about right? So Sam Bean, you mean, yeah. Oh, is it Sam? Let's say Sean yeah. Bean, did I? Uh, that's I was going to write that. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I'm going to fix my mistake there. I'll edit it later. <laughs> um, yeah, so Sam, the, the thing with Sam is he's, um, he's uh, as far as, like, death metal goes, like, there's fucking, there's no sort of singer that's fucking, that I would prefer to work with than him. Like, you know, a great sort of bass player muso in general. But, um, yeah, he's such a good singer, such a good lyricist and um, vocalist, you know, like his phrasing, his delivery. And he's just, his lyrics, like, they're, they're very sort of, um, like, even, like, with the whole thing with werewolves is we're so not trying to be clever or smart, you know. It's all just fucking, mm. it's all meant to be a kick in the teeth, you know. But um, he still winds up lyrically doing stuff that's um, really quite clever. And, um, yeah, he's good, but, like, he just gets in the studio. because So Jack's, Jack's recorded, I think he's done all of his, all the vocals for Werewolves. Um, and it's great, you know. So the first time, the first album, I was over there as well. And, um, you know, Jack's on the money. And Sam just, he, he, does, he does an album's worth in a day. You know, when, when he's when he's on point, like if he's a bit sick or he's got a sore throat or if there's any sort of external factors, then maybe he has to split over two sessions. But generally he'll get an album's worth of vocals done in a day and then, you know, we'll get it all together and I'll send it back to him and um, he'll listen and go, you know, I could probably do this and this and this and this a bit better. So I'll, I'll book another few hours and I'll go back and just touch up a few bits here and there and then that'll be it. So he just gets in there and just growls or screams or whatever and nails it like most of the time. Mm. So yeah, he's he's yeah, he's um he's a he's a death metal fiend, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you could definitely tell. Yeah, lovely fella too, Jack. Actually, I had a really good, con- mm. long and uh, solid conversation with him. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to hit him up to do my audio book. Uh, you know the book okay. that I wrote um, when yeah. you turned that into an audio book. And I mean, look, I've got some stuff here, but the issue with me here, mate, is that I'm in in semi suburbia, so I've got dogs barking and everything else around me. And every time I want to yeah. do, I've got the time set aside to do the recording. Inevitably, that's when the dog barks or the kids are at home screaming at each other or something. Yeah, so that's right. You just you can't do it, you know. Yeah, uh, you, you've got to like. I, I found I learned a long time ago that um, you know, if you want to get something something serious done properly, you just don't fuck around. Just go to a pro, get it done. You know, like there's obviously there's things you can do on your own and things you can do at home, but mm-hmm. you know, like it's like recording, for example. Like I can I can record my guitar at home and I can do this and I can do that, but I always take it somewhere like slick to get reamped and done properly, and then like I would never. Like I'm quite quite good with Pro Tools, but I'll never dream of mixing anything because there's people that mix stuff that is just incredible, you know. So yeah, that's that's the thing, man. Go and see him; he'll do a good job. He'll turn out great. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know he will. Like I trust him. Yeah, he's a, he's a good bloke. He yeah, he said a few things to me that really resonated when I had a chat to him, and I thought, no, you're the guy. And I haven't even looked at anybody else, but I just know that if I do it, it's going to be with him. So, uh, but but we we've talked about Rutan a bit, but. You mentioned that you want to, you, you know, obviously you want to find the best in the biz to bring out all of the full colours and musical colours that you bring. Have you thought about working with Rutan? Um, we we've just we've we've got a bit of an idea <coughs> for um, so as well as just doing albums with werewolves, we you know we did that EP just recently, and um, we've got another we've got another idea for a recording. Um, whether it comes to fruition or not, I don't know. But um, we did all think because it's because it's a bit of a novelty thing. It'd like it'd be. We thought it'd be quite quite appropriate to get um, returned if I can mix it. So I mean, yeah, it, it's it's all just sort of talk at the moment. But um, and it, it may it it well it probably won't happen. But we were talking and thinking, ah, oh, if anyone should mix this particular project that we the werewolves going to do, it might be it might be quite funny to get um get him to do it. But um, yeah, whether like I say, whether it happens or not, I don't know. But. Yeah, I've got I've got a fucking lot of time for that guy. He's um I've met him I've met him several times over the years, like mm. in different parts of the world. And um he's always been a polite, good, good dude and happy to sort of have a quick chat or whatever. And um, you know, like you can just like from afar, you, you can just see like his work ethic and what he does, you know, and like you look at he's fucking played in Morbid Angel and Cannibal and um, you know, and Hey Eternal is fucking Awesome. I love that band. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it, you know, between between the the music, the, the level of music that he's been involved in and the work he's put into those sorts of bands in a performing and also in the studio sort of world and also building up his own sort of, I guess, career in audio. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very much an inspiration to me, like both playing and um, – just, just work ethic. That's that's probably the biggest one, you know. Like he's he's someone that really fucking pushes. Which, um, you know, being in the heavy metal world, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily fucking work that hard or don't push, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure you 
and many people have been involved with those sorts of people over the years and in your own endeavours and your own, you know, not even just music, but, you know, we're talking about music. So, yeah, but there's a lot of people that don't fucking particularly put in the work and, you know, it's pretty frustrating. So when you when you see someone that really does put in the fucking hard graft, it's, um, it's I don't know, it's always an inspiration to me, man, you know? <laughs> I can confirm everything. Certainly in my experience, I don't know Eric, but I've had a number of interactions with him, you know, over email and and two two lengthy conversations with him over Skype Mm -hmm. or Zoom. And he's just an awesome fella, very genuine. Um, And, uh, yeah, he's he's a pleasure to deal with. That's the easiest way to describe it. But but something else you mentioned there too, you know, I think I've mentioned this a few times on the show, but I've never actually played in a metal band before, even though I'm a muso. And I had experiences early on when I walked into rehearsal studios and found exactly what you're talking about. I'm pretty driven and motivated, want to get things done. You know, yeah. if we turn up to rehearse, I don't really want to see some dickhead sitting in the corner with a billy, with a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I hate that shit, mate. I mean, yeah, by all means, do it when you get home. I don't care about that. But learn the fucking material language. Learn the fucking material. Turn up. Let's, let's you know, the bolts should already be in. we just got to tighten uh, the bolts up. 100%, man, 100%. And, Oh, I got fed up with it and then started playing covers effectively and covers, you know, you you get paid. So, of course, people are generally motivated, but even then you still have troubles. But it was rife in metal bands from memory. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame because there's a lot of of very talented, creative people out there and, um, you know, they don't necessarily all get to actually vent that creativity because they're too... I don't know, it's just because, you know, they've got their, whatever it is in their lives that's preventing them from, you know, pushing and working, you know. So, I don't know, it's, 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 just, it's just a shame. So, that's why when, when, you know, from afar you see productive and proactive people, it's, it's quite inspirational. So, fucking hell, look at this, look at this dude, they're fucking... Look how hard they work. Look how much they get done. Look how many albums they've appeared on or what the work that they do, you know. So I think that's something like that is, you know, that's a bit of an inspiration to that. that that's something that sort of drives werewolves a little bit. It's like a fucking how much work can we get done, you know. So it, it, the, whole, the whole process has been that sort of mindset. It's like something starts, it's just like a ridiculous idea. And then it's like, well, hang on a second, we can fucking do it. So we, you know, even with the first album, we we, we just did it quick, just because uh, it, it, that's just the way it happened. And then when we got we got the um we got the we got deal we got the the deal with Prosthetic, yeah. And it was um it was three albums, and uh, and there was uh, I don't know there was a, a few months until the first one was going to be released. So we're like, well, fucking, should we should we try and give them the second album before the first one's even released? So I don't know if we gave it to them, but we certainly finished it before the first one was released. And then it's like, well, should we just do the next one as well? And it's like, well, should we just do the next two? And so it's it's just this sort of whole work ethic thing kind of fucking spiralled out of control, which is why we did the EP as well, because it's like we had a word to them and then we were like, well, you know, if we've – because obviously the, the, the label are going to have um, – you know, they just they can't just release an album of ours every six months. It's like, you know, it's got to be at least a year, really. Mm. And um, so we said, well, can we, you know, we've got the next album ready, but can we do an EP, like, independently or with you or whatever it was? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So we, 
yeah, we're like, all right, well, we've got to wait another year for the next album to release. And why don't we just, um, we'll do like our own little EP type thing mm. and release that on vinyl in the downtime. So everything started, it, it all starts as a bit of a joke, but then it's like, all right, well, fucking let's just get to work and get it done. Mm. And that's sort of been the whole mindset of this band, you know, see how we, we come up with these ridiculous ideas and then go, all right, well, let's just fucking do it then, you know. <laughs> Indeed, and we, and we as the fans are the beneficiaries of it. So, uh, prosthetic—they're based in the states, or are they Australian? Uh, yeah, they're in they're in the states. Yeah. So, does that potentially open the door? Here's here's a tip. I'd love to see you guys tour with Morbid Angel. If any band could keep uh-huh. up with Morbid, it's it's you guys. I mean, is that even something where there's a, a the door is slightly ajar for that opportunity? Uh, well, I wouldn't know so much about Morbid Angel given the state of them at the minute. But um, yeah, mm, as far sure. as the states goes, um, we've yeah, we, we've had we've all had a little bit of a chat about the possibility of taking it sort of a, a step further. But um, and I think you know if the right thing sort of presents itself, then yeah, we we may well look into it. Um, so we've all tentatively sort of said, yeah, that would be cool, maybe to go to the States or whatever and do something. But then we've all kind of agreed, all right, well, let's just get these things in Oz done first. And if there is success, then we'll look at like the it. next step. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're not, we're, yeah, that's, that's, that's another thing with the band. It's like we'll do one thing and if it's, success, if it's a success, it's like, right, the next step, what's the next thing we can do? So the same applies with the, the live sort of thing. You know, we're, we're quite well rehearsed at the moment. Things are sounding good. We've got shows booked, so we'll play them. And if they're all going well and things are cool and it's all happening, then I guess we'll look at the next step and sort of see what happens there. I, I, you you would not be out of place on Maryland's Death Fest, the one that just happened, I think, yeah, last right. weekend. That that would be a brilliant introduction to American audiences from the live perspective. So is that mm. – how do you – do you? I mean, I'll ask the question, do you know how you even get the attention of the promoters to be considered on a bill like that? Um, I suppose you probably – you probably got to have a bit more of a name, you know. Um, I think we're building ourselves up a little bit in the States. Mm-hmm. Um but as far as I've not played any American festivals, I've done American tours, but not festivals. So I'm, I'm probably not the best person to ask. Um, I know Dave's done a few things in the States. He's done a lot of European festivals. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, it, it, I, I think sometimes like these promoters, they might look at a band and go, All right, well, you know, what else are you doing? So, for example, if you're if you've been doing like a run or two of the states and you've built yourself up in a bit of a live setting, then it's like, all right, I'll, you know, yeah, we'll get you on. But you know, as far as just a band that maybe hasn't been to the states or isn't, you know, of a really sort of a higher level, yeah, it's probably a little bit hard. But you know, all you can do is try and ask and see what happens. Do you, do you get the numbers from streaming services like I do with the podcast and the well over 50% of my audience is in the States, for example? Mm. Do you, it's probably the same thing for you guys, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, we get them. Um, there's, I guess, the States and Australia um, and then probably the UK and various parts of Europe. So, yeah, the yeah, States is a big yeah. one. Sweet. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's obviously, it's all broken down. But, um, yeah, I know that the States and Australia are the big ones. So, yeah, we'll see, you know. You, mm. they, they put your songs on. If you're lucky, you get put onto a good playlist and blah, blah, blah. Right. It gets heard however many tens of thousands of times. But, you know, what does it necessarily really translate to, you know? But, but we're, we do all right with, um, I think we do all right with sort of, physical sales which is cool you know so i mean stream streaming's cool i guess you know it's good to know that all right your song's been heard by however many times or by however many people or whatever and it's great but it's um it's a little bit more satisfying to sort of look at the numbers of you know physical product that's been sold yeah that was interesting with my book actually i, I printed up uh about 30 books and I look. I've sold. I think I sold initially. Certainly sold far more books than I did eBooks, like physical copy. As um, yeah. soon as I put up and advertised that I had physical books available, just did a short run, whatever. I would have it cost me far more to produce them than it did to sell them. But mm. I just did it just for the experience. Yeah, they went bang straight away. I was lucky to keep my own. Yeah, um, that's, um, that's 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 really interesting. I think um, I'm not. I'm not much of a book person, but that's it, it comes down to time really. Like I've actually got the time to sort of read books, you know, um, between everything else that I do. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really listen to audio books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It is, I find it quite interesting that um, the physical copies have sold so well, you know. Well, it was it's good, people wanted a good thing. Yeah, people wanted to, like, because a lot of, you probably find the same thing. People listen to you and then they start messaging you. And uh, and I find, look, to, to a person, they're all very, very cool people. Uh, Hank in the Netherlands, there's people in the States, uh, the UK mm-hmm. and Ireland. Um, and you end up just realising that you're cut from the same cloth. It's just that we connect because I'm doing a podcast and talking to great musicians like you. And uh, you went, they were in a similar life position to us and uh, to me and, you know, married a lot of the time, got kids and stuff, and they just love music as well. So we're sort of a bit of a bit of a community. And I think what they wanted was me to write something in the book just as a memento, if you mm, like. Yeah. And and like the, a souvenir, you know. Yeah, a souvenir. And I was I was happy to oblige, mate. You know, I was happy to oblige people because you know it's a it's all a passion. Yours is a bit different because of the scale of it, but podcasting. God help you if you're trying to make money out of it. Um, it ain't going <laughs> to happen unless you're Joe Rogan. Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, and then, then there's endorsements and third parties, but you get even people like that aren't, I'm not even saying I'm anywhere, by the way, but mm-hmm. even don't even have my listenership and they try to insert ads into their shit and try to advertise things at the beginning of their fucking YouTube videos that have got like 12 views since yeah. like 2018. And you're like, just, you know what, just do it because you love it. Yeah, and anything totally. can like the thing is, like we've talked about, you get to talk to people like Rutan and you, you get to talk to all these really cool people, you know, and mm-hmm. You find out that when you sort of, you know, you go backstage and you meet these guys in corrosion of conformity, never, ever had a problem with any of, you know, always cool, always awesome. You've got these wonderful memories and that's actually the currency. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it pays to be um, like, you know, if you're like, like with you doing this or, you know, probably, probably a lot of other people, you know, it, it comes from a sort of a place of like it's quite an honest thing to do. You know, it's usually because I've listened to I've listened to a fair few of your podcasts, and usually they're just it's just a good chat, isn't it? You know, 
It's so exactly that's exactly what it is. That's, yeah. that's just like a, a, an honest exchange between a couple of people or whatever. And I think, you know, anyone that listens to these things or, I mean, it's the same with music as well. Like if you're doing something honest, you know, you're going to get a selection of people that pick up on that and appreciate it because of that, I think. You know, honesty is like, you know, it's like you can't fake you know, uh, it's even with like Shotgun Mistress, it's like I started off with that trying to do maybe more co- commercially sort of slightly tamer music. And I was like, well, fucking what am I doing? This is not, it's not me. It's not what I really want to do. So then it turned into a bit more of the heavier sort of thing. And it's like, I, I just say to people, it's the, if you're not being honest with yourself and, you know, like having conversations and stuff, people pick up on it. I'm sure of it, you know, and it, it just won't, it won't succeed. It won't win because it, because it's not real, you know, it, it isn't real. I think you've got to, in your heart, you've got to be a fan who truly mm-hmm. enjoys it. And because there's no money in it, you're doing it because you do it anyway. And the, the benefit, as I say, is that you're talking to all of these wonderful musicians. And in my case, like first time I heard Eric was back in 1994 or mm-hmm. 95, sorry, with, um, with Morbid Angel and Domination. And, you know, there are some crucial memories, like before sport game, you know, before rugby or soccer or something like that, like listening to this shit. And, yeah, you know, you're, totally. sort of, and you're, you're talking to the guy who wrote um, Hate Work or what have you, you know, you, yeah. you're talking to the guy, there he is. He's, and it's it's such a it's such an interesting experience. Like when I talked to uh, Trey's mum, uh, and I can't <laughs> talk to Trey, so I asked his mother if he wanted to, she wanted to come on. Lovely, lovely lady. And yeah, she she told me all of the things that I think were were, were important to understand about Trey and his development. And, yeah. and when you sh- I shared that with, there's a pretty cool little Facebook group of Morbid Angel fans. You know, they're not yeah. like some of the other dickhead fans that are out there, but you know, real fans. Like as I say, regular people, but they they appreciated it. You know, it's just yeah. you're curious, you're trying to get to the bottom of things, and you're just trying to explore things, and you're doing it in a way that's respectful because you're a fan, and to your point, because it's coming from an honest place. And I just want to keep on doing it, doing it like this, because you know, I've got a job. You know, uh, I'm not even not even attempting to try to earn money from this. It's not even in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. It's just. How can I don't even know? I don't even think you can, to be honest, mate. Like, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know how. I mean, if anybody out there's listening knows how to make money out of a podcast without doing any of that bullshit, uh, Patreon. And I don't ever want to ask people for money. You know what I mean? I hate that stuff because it's like, dude, really? You know, you want $2.50 from, if you want $2.50 from somebody for a month for shit that you'd put out there anyway, that's just sad. Sorry, but that's my opinion. Well, you know, <laughs> um, mate, I'll make this my last question for you. Uh, you mentioned up top uh, Mortician. I thought that was interesting because I do have a question for you lined up about Mortician. Yeah, I didn't go. even know that. I didn't even know that you played with Will. Okay. Oh, uh, right. so so yeah. So I think it says on certain places in the internet that I and, and various other people were in Mortician. So. We weren't in Mortician. We were on tour with Mortician, and um, there was there was an incident of some sort. It's a long time ago, and I can't. Uh, I don't know what happened, but Will wound up getting detained by Polish police for some reason. I don't really remember exactly why. It was nothing untoward in the end, and um, you know he he got back to the states in good health, but. Um, Anyway, so there was um, there was 
a few shows left on on the tour and you know it was two options um the tour could stop or the tour could keep going and financially it, it couldn't stop you know for for those for the guys that have come from the states so uh roger and sam would get up and play and a couple of us would help out because obviously will on bass and vocals yeah. uh, wasn't there so a couple of us would help out with vocals and bass so um yes i quote unquote sort of played the bass on a few songs of morticians for a few nights running and some of the other guys sung and blah 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 so yeah i, I think um i don't know if it's wikipedia or fucking metal encyclopedia or some shit has uh yeah. has written encyclopedia me down. Metallium, no, yeah, yeah. has you in there that's how i found it yeah, yeah. well I mean, you know these these websites have a bunch of things that aren't exactly uh, there's other stuff in there that's not quite not quite true either about me just just with bands that i haven't played in that i'm listed for and all that sort of shit so um yeah helped out for a few nights and that's it <laughs> yeah, that's, I think in in not in defence of them, but just to set the record straight, I think they said you were a live member, but still, okay, they, yeah. still, I mean, there's been member like what's the 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 bass player's name in the Rolling Stones? Sorry, magnificent bassist. I should know his name off the top of my head because I follow his Facebook page. Hey, he's been a live member now for about thirty years or something. Yeah, right. So that, oh, in, that, being a live member implies that you're really a member of a band, but not really, if that makes sense in some ways. So yeah. I, uh, I, I thought you, I thought there might've been a Will story in there. And of course there is because he's an interesting cat. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's on my bucket list. I've got to say, I'm, Will, Will a bit like uh, some of them, you just give him the mic and say, what do you want to talk about? Go for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> be a good one. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I hope it happens. Yeah, there's a few out there. There's um, there's a few out there like Will. I won't even mention them because I want to keep them as a surprise. That yeah, I might yeah, sure. put it this way: ongoing back and forth messages. I will mention one, Chris Barnes, who I haven't had a back and forth okay. message with, but he's one that I'm def- definitely trying to track down. And Les from uh, Cradle of Filth, the 1998 version of Cradle <laughs> of Filth, is another one. You might have met him. He's a British guy that does the uh, tour management, I think, now for Cradle of Filth and. Um, Paradise uh, Lost and all of those sorts of bands. Yeah, maybe. I don't know about a lot of people, but, yeah. you know, my memory's not that good. <laughs> to be expected. Cool. cool, mate. Thank you so much for the chat. Um, wonderful. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed having this one here. I look forward to having the next one based on your killer creativity and the quality uh, too, it's got to be said, is just magnificent. Um you know, for anybody listening, get behind what Werewolves are doing. But uh, Matt is in so many other killer bands. Shotgun Mistress, who I'm an enormous fan of. I think I've almost worn out that CD since you sent it up. <laughs> and and uh, the kids love it too, mate. We listen to it in the car. Nice. The Antichrist Imperium, you know, member of the Berserker. Okay, Abremelin, that's a band we didn't even talk about, but with Tim, Tim Aldridge and the lads there. I love the way you guys in Australia, you know, you cream of the crop, you find each other and you find a way to make it work in the different bands and stuff. Because from my perspective as a fan, you know, seeing you, seeing you on stage here, which I haven't done yet with, with Dave and then with Tim and Abremelin, mate, that's something that I really look forward to. Cool. Well, hopefully it happens sooner rather than later, man. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Wilcock from... Werewolves, Shotgun Mistress, Antichrist Imperium. He's been a member of Acococca, The Berserker. There's probably a few other bands in there. Of course, the other one, a Bremelin, another killer outfit. But uh, fair to say he captured my attention with his performance 
on the rock leaning shotgun mistress. Now, if you like that tune, there are plenty more tune. If you like that conversation, there are plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. You can dive into chats with uh, the, is it the stars? Does that work? The leading lights, that sounds better, of rock, death metal, black metal, and beyond. They're all there. If there's an episode that piques your interest and you want to have a chat to me about it, hey, I'm easily found on social media and via the website. Just hit me up. I'm always up for a bit of a chat about music. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it is a very good bye for now.